All right. Thank you for joining us today on Jackman Radio. Really excited to be talking to our guest today. He's someone whose work I've admired for a long time and I've been following for a while and I've always wanted to have a conversation with him about many things, but we figured since the 19th anniversary of 9-11 is coming up, um, who better to talk to about very specific aspects of 9-11 than this great researcher, Mr. Ryan Dawson. Ryan, thanks for joining us today, man. It was Carol Baskin. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> God damn, whole- I'm, ne- I'm never going <laughs> to recover from this fucking bitch. <laughs> it was Carol Baskin. But uh, yeah, Ryan, it's uh, like I said, man, uh, we, I've been a big fan of your work for a while. And, um, you know, I've seen you on Sean Atwood. I've seen you on No More News. I've seen you with uh, Tripoli. You know, you've made the rounds all over, man, and you've done great work. So All good people. All, all Exactly. All good people and people who aren't afraid to tell the truth and who aren't afraid to go there. Um, so, you know, I, when I reached out to you, Mike and I are going to do a series of interviews about very specific, specific areas of 9-11. And you've done some of the most amazing and far-reaching research into 9-11, dealing with the intelligence community connections, um, and specifically Israel and Israeli intelligence and, and the kind of role that they played in the operation. So I just wanted to start um, and ask you how you got into 9-11 and, and how you really became aware um, that there was much more to the operation than we were told out of the gate. Well, I was, I was alive and an adult when it happened. So it was kind of uh, early 20s. So it was perfect age for someone, for anybody, you know, to be, to be alive during the event. I was in college, so I said had time and I had people around me who were curious about it. But, you know, something to that scale that they blamed on Al-Qaeda and I already knew the origins of Al Qaeda and how um, this organization has wasn't then and still isn't now wholly independent from intelligence agencies. They were created by our intelligence agency. And it wasn't like uh, even generations separate. Osama bin Laden is was the OG, and that's who every you know, the whole thing was blamed on Osama bin Laden and his henchmen. And then later, uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, whose uh, nephew was involved in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, Ramzi Youssef. And I already knew how much of that story had fallen apart. And it's weird that on the day of 9-11, you would have thought they would have made comparisons to the World Trade Centers being attacked in the past of 1993, but they didn't. They compared it to Pearl Harbor instead. The, all the comparisons were this is the Pearl Harbor because Pearl Harbor was sort of the uh, the justification for entering World War II. And the whole purpose of 9-11 was to go to war overseas. It was to replace the Cold War, which was uh, the justification for trillions of dollars of budgetary spending with the war on terror. Then, of course how we ended up in Iraq after 9-11 would have been like bombing Mexico after Pearl Harbor instead of Japan. But that's what they did. And I guess what really gave me a red flag was immediately after 9-11, there was a chemical attack with anthrax. And it said, death to America, death to Israel. (laughs) And 9-11 was on the date and so on. And it was, the letters had been mailed from the, locations of the hijacker cells 
So to have done that, one would have had to have known where Al-Qaeda was. So it wasn't just some somebody trying to frame them or something. Somebody had at least that much knowledge to mail them from Florida and New Jersey, where these hijacker cells had been. And they wrote on there, they basically wrote who did it. I mean, it's the whole screaming pain as you beat you kind of thing. Death to America, death to Israel. And uh, from the anthrax attack is where everything unraveled. And I remembered also that anthrax had been stolen from Fort Detrick, Maryland, just months before the 1993 World Trade Center attack. So it seemed like the plan then was the same as 2001, but because they botched the Ryder truck bombing in 93 and they, they never went forward with the anthrax, even though it had been stolen and procured, they didn't go, go with it. So, and Yusef fled and it really wasn't until he tried to bomb a plane going to Japan from the Philippines that he was caught. When he uh, attacked Iran, no one cared. Right. 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 And yeah, it was just, it was very odd to me that the media never brought up the 93 World Trade Center bombing the entire time and still hasn't. Anytime they're talking about September 11th and it's the exact same target. The main target was the World Trade Centers uh, where people had died before from an attack that they blamed on the Muslim Brotherhood. But there's, you know, nephew to uncle relationship with Al-Qaeda who they're saying is, you know, KSM was a mastermind of September 11th. And that was never brought up in the media. And it's, it's not like everyone in the press is that dumb. So there's orders from on high to say, don't remind them of any of that. Right? Yeah, a lot, well, a lot of this stuff, Ryan, seems to um, be reported on the day of or the day after, maybe once or twice. And then there's no follow-up on it, kind of like you're saying. They, they, the reports are credible because a lot of people who are debunkers who say that a lot of this stuff isn't true or there's misinformation on the ground, sure, that's, that can be part of it with any kind of situation. But, I mean, you have ABC News articles about, um, you know, the, the, the truck that they found with explosives, the guys that the police, you know, pulled over and everything. So, um, yeah, we it, get it to seems that, like stuff gets like, memory hold. But, yeah, stuff gets memory hold. And, and what you were talking about with the Philippines, was that Bojinka? That other plot, or was well, that? That would happen. Yeah, we can talk about the millennial plot of Ojinka plot, and that's something else too. When Condoleezza Rice, Secretary of State, was saying they couldn't imagine the scenario of them using commercial airliners to attack the United States, that just isn't true. I mean, the guys that attacked the United States before had a plot to attack the United States with commercial airliners. Furthermore, the CIA had known terrorists who had met KSM in an Al-Qaeda summit meeting in Malaysia where they're supposed to be monitoring this stuff, people involved in the USS Cole attack. To, um, to be specific, it was uh, Khalid Al-Midhar and Nawaf al-Hazmi on Flight 77. They tracked them to California and knew they were going to flight schools. So you have a previous attack by people who are blood-related, right, who met with KSM in a meeting and stayed the night at, a, at an apartment with them, uh, you know, whose nephew attacked the World Trade Centers and whose nephew plotted to hit the United States with commercial airliners, got arrested just before he could pull it off. They had figured out a way to make plastic explosives and sneak him on a plane. And they're acting like, oh, we just never saw this coming. We... You've got terrorists going to flight schools who can't speak English and you can't think that they're going to use an airplane. BS. 
And by the way, the CIA did not share that information with the FBI until the end of August of 2001. And by then it didn't matter because the way the FBI is structured in the U.S., they have field offices in the, the West, the East, the South, etc. When they shared that information with the Western group, they were no longer there because they had moved East for the final phase of the operation. So it was too little too late. Um, but we know they knew. I mean, that's some. there's concrete. Now, you can say that there was just insane incompetence for a while. But at a certain point, you have to go, no, this is an intentional deception, and the incompetence is the plausible deniability. Because all the lies after 9-11 that associated them with Iraq and all the anthrax lies as well, cannot be mistakes you have things you have like the niger forgeries which is an intentional uh, intentional deception because you can't accidentally sign the wrong foreign minister's name on documents right like that's that's a per that's a purposeful <laughs> act WMD. of deception right yeah and that's what they said that was one of the justifications to invade iraq for people who don't know the little kids in the audience there was another war with iraq in the 90s and one of the stipulations that Iraq lost the war, so the stipulation was a UN resolution 1441 that said they couldn't possess weapons of mass destruction. That means weapons that kill indiscriminately, like nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, and so on. It's weird because you can have regular weapons that kill, but at least, you know, you can have some discretion with a missile or something compared to, um, you know, VX gas or whatever. It's just going to kill everybody. And so they got accused of trying to acquire nuclear material from Niger, which is where a lot of uranium is. And they go, they're supposedly getting yellow cake. It's oxidized uranium, something you need in the process of building a bomb. And it was just false. And you can't say it's a mistake because there were so many problems with the documents that they alleged proved this. And this, all this intelligence was stovepiped right to Bush's office through guys like Michael, Michael Ledeen and Gorbanifar, who were part of the Iran-Contra affair, should have been in jail for that anyway. And then we find out there was an office within the office of the Pentagon called the Office of Special Plans set up by a, a clique of Zionist Likudniks. Uh, it was run up by Douglas Fife, but he was just sort of the Muppet at the head. The real brain behind it was Richard Pearl. And these aren't just some neoconservative Zionist, you know, Israeli partisans. These are all Pentagon employees. So it's not just like some guy uh, or somebody in media like Will Crystal or whatever. These were people. Richard Pearl had already been caught spying for Israel in the past still has a job at the Pentagon for some reason at, at the fourth highest level. And they, this office either cherry picked or just straight up fabricated intelligence with the sole purpose of going to war in Iraq. And the way they did that was by associating Iraq to 9-11. And one of the key ways they did that was by lying about anthrax. Uh, and so it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out, well, if you've got a bunch of Zionists, lying about Iraq and the notes for the anthrax actually say death to Israel on them. And somebody was living next door to these hijackers and somebody knew where the cells were 
and somebody mailed anthrax from those locations. And somebody also sent hoax anthrax to Judith Miller, who was dating Louis Leibowitz, who's a lawyer for the Mossad. He was a lawyer for Mark Rich. He got disbarred. She went to jail for 35 days for the Plame Affair, too. These are all criminals. Mm-hmm. Miller is also someone that just blames everything on Iraq. She blamed Oklahoma City on Iraq. She blamed 93 on Iraq. She blamed every, you know, stubbed her toe. Saddam did it. <clears throat> it was like CNN with Russia. So, reliable. By the way, Leibowitz was Cheney's chief of staff. Um, <clears throat> pure neocon to the core. And nothing happened to these people. I mean, he got disbarred. That was it. Fife and Wolfowitz and Pearl and Crystal and all that, they all got away with it. They set up a media arm called uh, the Weekly Standard. And a lot of the people that supposedly worked there, they had guys writing there like Gary Schmidt and Fred Barnes and stuff, all uh, Jewish Zionists, all lying. Everything they wrote was is now proven wrong. But the the money behind it came from Lockheed Martin. You got all the seed money from Lockheed, from MIC. And uh, the co-founders are Robert Kagan and William Crystal. And they're all almost 100% overlap with PNAC. I think I'm allergic to Judith Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Libby, didn't Trump pardon Libby too recently? Yeah, well, Bush commuted his sentence, and then, uh, yeah, he full, yeah, he did, God. Well, there's another one he got, too. I don't uh, know. Clinton pardoned Rich. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like, he did it an hour before he left. Drinking those Ghislaine tears. Yeah, it's really, it's a rogues yeah. gallery of ghouls, man. Yeah. America cheers. runs on blackmail. <laughs> that's oh that's great. fantastic oh that's fantastic yeah we got some Ghislaine tears here in new hampshire um i'm having root beer for the first time in like five years oh wow they don't have it in japan and i went to costco today i was like root beer <laughs> a and w and you found dr root. pepper too i saw yeah well, they, they, you can get that in tokyo but not down where i live and uh there is a vending machine in Nippon-bashi that has it so, that's that's serious yeah, intel, man. In case we ever get over there, so Ryan, it basically, you know, it it, 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 so <laughs> when you're looking big picture at this and you're critically thinking about war policy, who's within the Pentagon, who the players are, what their interests are, um, it, it does it points it points back to all these neoconservative, you know, really Israel first type people. So when looking at 9/11. Um, outside of the stuff you mentioned, what are some of the big picture items you can tell people who may not have ever heard of the stuff before that leaves some of these Israeli intelligence fingerprints over the operation? Right. So there were stories about the Israelis living next door to Atta and kind of monitoring wherever Al-Qaeda went, Israel was sure to follow, which makes sense. That's something Israel ought to do, right? It's in their own interest to follow Al-Qaeda around. Uh, the thing is, if you get wind of them plotting to hit the United States, it's something you would want to tell your ally. Unless you're like, oh, no, I hope they do that because we'll steer this off in our, a cliff. Like, we're not off a cliff. We'll just uh, we'll associate all our enemies to it. So how much they had in egging it on or whatever is something we can come back to because I, I, think, I think I have a clear argument that they did it. But for someone new, I wouldn't dump all that on them at once. I would say, look, 
at minimal, there was foreknowledge by both the U.S. and Israel. And at minimal, there was known, proven financial and logistical support given to the hijackers by Saudi Arabia. And there was logistical support given to them by the Israelis. Now, you can try and claim that, oh, they did that. But just like in 93, at the last moment, they're going to swoop in and do a sting and they just didn't or whatever. You can think that way if you want. That's not what happened. And considering all the, the billions they put in and all the effort they did to, to lie about all of it to get a war with Iraq. And the fact that, let, let me talk, talk about anthrax for a second. The source, they, they had a alleged meeting in Prague where Muhammad Atta, who's supposed to be the ringleader of the, the pilots for 9-11, he was supposed to have met in Prague in the Czech Republic, which Dick Cheney called Czechoslovakia because he's an idiot. Um, we, because Cheney was in the government when, uh, when they broke up. So he had to know. And just his mind is back... In the 80s or something. I don't know. But they were saying Muhammad Atta met two senior Iraqi officials in Prague. And here's this will bother, it should bother people. PNAC, who I was talking about earlier, the Project for New American Century, in August, weeks before 9 11, had a big fat picture of Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. Right. They were already, before 9-11, starting to associate these two together. And they started talking about anthrax out of the blue, all before any of this happens. Now, the original lie they told was that, okay, Iraq met Muhammad Atta. There's an Iraq-Al-Qaeda connection. But they didn't mention anthrax. And that's because it hadn't been open yet. It had not been open yet because all the airplanes got grounded as a result of 9-11. They grounded the planes so the mail didn't get where it was supposed to or it was there and it wasn't being opened because it was overwhelmingly backed up and so on. But they jumped the gun because a couple days after they mailed it, they mailed hoax letters. And that was a big problem and a big mistake because I believe it was September 18th. I have a timeline actually in my closet. I have a poster board of all the dates and stuff but um in doing so it was a major screw up because in the hoax anthrax that you could lay some people try to say was a copycat attack were identical notes to the notes contained inside the real anthrax where they tried to kill patrick Leahy and and senator dashel so there's no way you could know what the note was unless it had been open reported on and then you could do a copycat attack. Well, even though they mailed it after the original was mailed, the original had not been open yet. And so the copycat attack, alleged copycat attack, was already in the mail. So there is no way, and it did have an identical note. You couldn't do that unless the people who mailed the original were the same people that mailed the alleged copycat. So why in the world would you send fake anthrax to Judith Miller of Fox who does nothing but blame Iraq and yada, 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 and real anthrax to like Patrick Leahy 
of the Leahy Amendment, which would end all military aid to Israel and write death to Israel on the note. After the anthrax was opened, the same people that said Atta met senior Iraqi officials in Prague added that, oh yeah, by the way, at this meeting, he passed anthrax, the Iraqis passed anthrax to Al-Qaeda. Now that wasn't true, but the Israeli security forces witnessed it. And this is reported in French and German papers, and I think the first paper in the U.S. to talk about it was the New York Observer, which is owned by Charles Kushner. Kushner. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, that's <laughs> this juicy. is before Trump is president. Oh. Uh, the Kushners, I have a film about them. It's called Trump's Sinus Ball and Chain. It's, they're straight up mafia. But anyway, um, there was no meeting in Prague, and Iraq didn't have anthrax, and neither did Al-Qaeda. Now, the Israeli security forces said they witnessed this, and they said the Czechs witnessed it too, but the Czechs said we didn't witness this. But the Israelis like, oh, we did. The source that brought that over to the United States was James Woolsey, the former director of central intelligence. This is not, not just some dude. This is the DCI of the CIA under Clinton, who Clinton never talked to. Clinton appoints this man, and he hates him. But he did it anyway. This is uh, where it gets into Epstein. Right. Um, well, let's just pause that. Don't worry about that for now. Woolsey brings it over to PNAC. And, of course, the Kagan operation, they start spitting out Atta went to Prague. Then you get Gary Schmidt and Fred Barnes and Robert Kagan all writing about anthrax and sourcing James Woolsey. And he's, a, you know, he's not just a CIA. He's the head of the CIA at a time. Hardcore Zionist. <clears throat> and so that went in the media. And they said, oh, Iraq's got anthrax. And they doubled down. They've got mobile weapon labs that are making anthrax. And guess who said that? Judith Miller, the woman that got the fake anthrax. <laughs> and there were no mobile weapons labs. But Colin Powell goes to the UN with a mock vial of anthrax. And he starts talking about VX gas and anthrax from mobile weapons labs. He's got some stupid cartoon picture of the labs because they didn't exist. So they just drew, look, this is what it would look like as a cartoon. Uh, and the guy in Powell didn't write that speech. That was coming from two guys, uh, Clark and Lippy. So Richard Clark, the tears are, and Louis Leibovitz or Lewis Libby, Lewis Scooter Libby, they called him, who we talked about earlier. They wrote that garbage, and it was nothing but lies, but it's very important because the legal reason that Iraq was invaded was that they were alleged to have broken a UN resolution about WMDs. They had not broken that, and it was just lie upon lie. Then you get William Sapphire, saying, oh, Saddam's got chemical weapons under his palaces. Scott Ritter, the weapons inspector, was saying, no, he doesn't. And, they, and the IAEA and every, every inspection, every international body ever had cleared Iraq of any wrongdoing. It didn't matter. It was prove a negative. Prove you're not doing something. Prove you don't have something. And they're like, well, come inspect. Come look, whatever. And nothing was good enough. We're like, we want to look in your palaces. And at that point, Saddam's like, no. I'm like, you're not, you're not looking under my bed. 
for missiles or whatever. Because <laughs> like, that's how you assassinate people. Yeah. So, and Saddam actually offered to have a debate with Bush. Of course, none of the media wanted that. That would have been incredible. That would have been, been. been. That would have been like hot shots with Leslie Nielsen, where they have Saddam come out of the fire. It would have been a beat down worse than the Biden Trump thing's gonna be. Oh, oh, oh creepy Joe. We're gonna give it to creepy Joe Ryan. Believe me, he's gonna. They're gonna have to inject him with fresh adrenochrome before they put up. When I get done with him, it's gonna be huge. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen? Y'all have seen Dumbo, right? When you're yeah, kids. the elephant. Yeah, yeah, the pink elephant scene. It's one of the trippiest scenes that is allowable for children, right? The pink <laughs> elephants. The, yeah, they're blowing yeah. bubbles into elephants, and they start changing colors and walking yeah. upside down. All that. If you watch that in reverse with a little bit of acid, it would still make more sense than Joe Biden talking about leg hairs and roaches. <laughs> and then, well, well, Biden's a player in all this too because he ran cover for Mahmoud Ahmed from the ISI, you know? Yes, yes, he did. And all right, we can talk about the money laundering. Which he's probably forgotten about by now. Who are you talking about? Mahmoud Muhammad Ali is your great fighter. Wait, well, one thing um, I wanted Ali to was just, one of the best fighters. Oh yeah, one thing I wanted to yeah. go back on really quickly on so, the interaction. Yeah, we can talk about uh, the money allegedly from Pakistan and stuff, but the the prior method of moving money around to create Al Qaeda, the diaspora fighters in Afghanistan, was through BCCI, and that had been so corrupt and just. Worse than Goldman Sachs in like not even trying to hide it, uh, that it had been defunct by the early 90s. But you know, for about a decade, that's how they moved the money around. They later went through Riggs Bank, traditional CIA, a money laundering uh, institution, and they had Saudi royals uh, wire money through their wives to the wives of some middlemen who then passed it on to Al Qaeda. That was one of the methods. Princess Haifa. Yes. Um, Audrey Darquette and, um, yeah, Haifa, Bandar Bush, uh, and co from Prince Turkey bin Fasil had sent money through these two guys, Omar Bayoumi and Osama Basnan, who helped at least three of the hijackers that we know of. You know, there's obviously similar chains to everybody. And they're just uninterested in following up on this. I mean, you've got Saudi royals sending money to Al-Qaeda through intermediaries. And beyond just that, they got them, when they picked them up, because these guys could barely speak English or couldn't at all. Uh, they were also using a Kurdish mosque as a front to launder money. They bought these guys an apartment stayed with them for a month and then continued to live right across the street. Uh, just, you know, out of the sympathy of, Oh, I, I just found there are some Sunni uh, Saudis living in California. And I thought I'd buy them an apartment just cause <laughs> I'm you a know, nice I'm guy. Such a nice guy. The charity of my heart. Yeah, exactly. Bullshit. <laughs> was, that, was that Abdul Zadar Sheikh or that that was with Almi Dar and Ahazmi, right? He was the FBI this, informant. That was a different it one. It starts with those two and then Hanji Hanjur. Um and there may, and it may have actually started earlier than that in Louisiana, actually. 
but wherever you want to start it, they don't really go to flight schools until California. So you could say, well, in Louisiana, we didn't know what they were doing yet. Fine. Let, I don't believe you, but uh, them, but okay, fine. You definitely knew in California, like, what are these guys doing here? They're terrorists. Like, they're already terrorists. Should be on the no-flight list. No-flies list, right? Two of them and were at the Malaysian summit, planes. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then, um, it's just like none of this. This stuff is so simple, and yet you can't get your foot in the door when you start talking 9-11 to, uh, to anybody because of basically because of Alex Jones. They just want to talk about physics of the buildings falling too fast based on eyeballing it. Right. And Building 7 fell. Jane Stanley reported it on BBC. Let's, you got to like let them say all that stuff first and be like, are you done? Would you like know who did it now? <laughs> like, so I like your 9-11 for adults premise, Ryan. Thank you. 9-11. Yeah. And that's how I feel. You know, I mean, look, anytime now you get belittled if you bring up 9-11 and people think you're going to be talking about fucking cartoon planes and thermite and 10 seconds at free fall. Mini nukes and do weapons. All, and all that shit. Look, if, if, if people can really learn about the stuff that you talk about and you've researched and dug up. What um, I'm talking about, too, by the way, are in our own FBI field office reports that that's no one right. read. It's That's documented. Right. It's documented. Wait, 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 in, a lot of it's in the GIS report. Because one, another thing that Jonestown did is they acted like the 9-11 commission was the only investigation. That was right. like the They ignored smallest. Bob Graham. Well, there was Pent Bomb before that. There was the FBI investigation yes. in 02. I'm glad yeah. you guys know this stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we we've been 9/11 for adults for a long time, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I did 9/11 Truth for grown-ups on Facebook too, and got banned the second day. Yeah. So, and then the guy I did, the guy doing it with me, also got banned, and it, like for a year, for like nine months in a row, I got banned. I'm like, well, I got kicked out of 9/11 Truth for saying a, an airplane hit the Pentagon because you know, yeah. That's controversial, um, apparently. But yeah, I mean, there's there's so much bullshit out there about 9-11 and all this stuff that you talk about and that Mike and I talk about and, and dig deeply into is all concrete, it's all real, it's all provable, and you can cite it. And for me, the real, the real awakening for me with Israel's connections to it came when the Freedom of Information Act came, brought out all of those FBI New Jersey files about urban moving systems and those guys yeah, who were filed there. that. <laughs> You're the one who filed that. All right. Well, my I wasn't the only head. person to file that, Cheers but that. I filed it. Yeah. Um, well, I had that in Empire and Mass and stuff back in like 2011. Or so, something. so I spent a week reading through those. There's over a thousand of them, right? Pages. It's like yeah, it's a lot of redundancy and lot, right, and, and still a lot of redacted shit. But what's not redacted is clear as day that these guys were here, and then at least three of them were set up near Doric Tower, across from the World Trade Center before 846, which is your first strike, with cameras prepared to watch an event unfold. Yeah, we've got two pictures of the trucks as they pulled around the front of the building to go to the back, stamped at 831 in the morning that were sent to Langley to be analyzed, and that's in the documents. Wow. Right? And that's... there's multiple witnesses. There's a little bit of Rosetta stoning you have to do, mm -hmm. which I did. You know, Mike, like you said, back to what you said, Mike, early on after 9-11, you hear initial reports of some things that actually really happened about guys in a van. Um, of course, people get that muddled with other vans that are around New York. But uh, so you were just starting to talk. Or people celebrating, people cheering and people celebrating. celebrating and cheering. So you were starting to talk, Ryan, about Doric Tower, which was in New Jersey across the water, about the timestamp on the photos. You know, that went to Letterman, by the way, the celebrating, they said, Middle Eastern men. 
which people which was true but yeah. uh people assumed that meant uh middle eastern muslim men that were right. part of al-qaeda which is half true part of al-qaeda in a sense they weren't muslim though they are from the middle east technically from europe originally but <laughs> they're all jewish there was all they worked for the israeli government they worked for the ja actually is the ones that sent them there because uh that's in that's also in the documents as a footnote they they redacted it but then they didn't redact the footnote when paul kersberg is talking about the jewish agency so set uh, set them up the, to be here in america sponsored them. The, the whole reason they were at or they didn't these aren't just some israeli tourists that got a job moving furniture right right like they had been sent there to monitor the situation and is what they're claiming and oh, we came to document the event. We were sent to document whatever it is he's saying. You know, he's saying you know probably something like, yeah, we we were keeping tabs on them, but that's what Israel does, or whatever. You know, and we were sent there by the JA. So if they had been sent there by them, then they are no longer just uh, some hapless tourist. Who was running the job? That's a minimum wage job moving furniture, but has, you know, about five grand stuffed in a pouch. And, right. Who, who was yeah. running the Jewish agency in, on 9 11? Well, the, the guy that uh, is the richest man in Israel who's on the board of governors, because there isn't like a one boss, mm -hmm. there's sort of a BOD of the JA, but his name is Ertime Wertheimer. And. He is the man that gave the police commissioner a quarter million dollar loan Bernie out of the Carrick. blue. Bernie Carrick, through, who went to jail for 10 years for fraud and okay. had been working with the Gambino family. You know, <laughs> lovely people like that. Great, beautiful people on both sides, Ryan, by the way. You know, that, that quote, he said, not the neo-Nazis and white supremacists, they should be condemned completely. But there were others, and there were beautiful people on both sides. Well, not beautiful, but he said there were good people on Fine both sides. Fine people. Oh, yeah, when you play the whole quote, yeah, that's what he says. So the yeah. J.A. had these guys here. They said we were coming to monitor and document some kind of event. Oh, by the way, so Steve Whitkoff was the intermediary for Carrick's loan that went to Carrick's wife, who Carrick cheated on, which got him in trouble. It should bother people that the police commissioner for New York City went to prison. Right, for working with him. <laughs> and Carrick was the one who found the passport, or the passport was given to him, right, at the site? It was given to him. Allegedly, someone just gave it to him, just just in knee-deep debris. Oh, look what I found. Here's Al Shaky's passport. Yeah, we, we, we didn't locate the uh, uh, flight recorders, but we have this passport. Right. Well, they did get the black box for they two did. of the planes, but... They did. Uh, I don't... New York was, like, probably in that building somewhere, so forget about it. But yeah. yeah, a paper passport. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's very improbable right. that you're going to find not only any passport of anybody on the plane, but, but a hijacker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jack Ruby was there. He said that that was Otz's passport. It was not, and it never was claimed to be Otz's passport. Shaitan, right? Yes. And uh, was it him or Albu? Yeah, I think it was. And, you know, and then they found. Um, Aljara's passport at the 93 impact with a little corner burnt off, you know, make it a little yeah. bit of a look, the corner is burned off. See, it was in a fire. And a couple months later, two of his first cousins are busted in Lebanon as being spies for Israel. One of them had been a spy since the eighties, since the creation of Hezbollah. 
these guys, uh, Ali Al-Jara and Yusuf Al-Jara, who are related to Ziad Al-Jara. And I don't mean like 33rd degree cousins. I mean like his daddy's brother, right? mm -hmm. his uncle, who'd been a politician. Uh, they're kids. They're cousins, man. First cousins. None of my first cousins are Al-Qaeda. This guy was trying to argue with me about that. He's like, I can explain that. Arabs have lots of kids. I'm like, this Arab didn't. And uh, I've got a big family. None of my None of them are in Al Qaeda. Right. None of them are right. spies so, for an intelligence agency. You so the, know? The, point, the point of that is for folks listening who might not know who Ziad Al Jara is, he, he's the pilot uh, hijacker on Flight 93, which yes. crashed in Shanksville. And his cousin was, a, was later found to be Israeli intelligence. Two of them. Two cousins. Two cousins. Two first yes. cousins. Okay. Mm -hmm. Family business. And, you know, USA Today actually reported on that, which is shocking. You know, that a, even a medium-sized paper would touch it, but they did. And Israel also got caught uh, trying to recruit Al-Qaeda members in Israel. They're trying to um, entice people to work for them. So they had like a little fake Al-Qaeda recruitment ring, they're, but they're really, it's Mossad. None of this ever sees the light of day, and then... All right, so let's talk about the movers. Urban, yeah. Yeah, so there are reports of vans all over the place, at least five different vans, of, but they didn't know yet that they belonged to this moving company until some people who were celebrating the event, celebrating the attack, whose license plate was written down, and uh, and witnesses had seen urban moving systems written on the side of the van. They get caught, and then it all starts to come together. They start pulling these people over as far away as Pennsylvania with who glide and unexplained destinations and all this stuff. Um, but the more damning thing, I think, was a notebook in the van found as they're coming back from another moving company called White Glove, they get arrested and this pad has all these phone numbers to the other moving companies, Classic International Movers, Moshe Movers, uh, White Glove Movers, and then Urban Moving Systems had two names, Max Movers and Urban. They, they said, oh, Max Movers is like long distance and Urban Movers are short distance. But there's urban moving system vans all the way down in Pennsylvania. So how short is short distance, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they lied. And uh, well, there's another one. I'm forgetting one. This is how much. <laughs> this is how I, it's in my movies too. There's another moving company. What did I say? I said Classic Internationals and Moshe White Glove. White Glove. That this is in War by one. Deception. It's in War by Deception. It's in Empire and Mass, like in great detail. Can't believe I'm forgetting it. It'll come to me later. I'll go. It's oh yeah, bro. it's not classic movers, is it? No, classic international though is important though because that one was flagged by the Miami field office as having given logistical support to a 9/11 hijacker. Okay. Uh, and they contacted the Newark office to say so. They had suspicion that not only had they followed these people around, they helped to move. Yeah. Right. right. So what are the odds that these moving companies that are helping Al Qaeda move around also had employees who were celebrating the attacks? Now they can claim 
that they just let's say let's say they didn't film the first plane hitting that it hit and like within a minute they got there somehow you're driving by and boom oh let's go there even though we have them witness at Doric Towers the day before 9-11 and on September 7th and it's highlighted on maps you know prior to the it's like obviously like, this is where we need to be here's World Trade Center here's Doric which is on a high rise like a cliff you can see right through right so that's what when people try and like fiddle around with the minutes and stuff i'm like they're witnessed there the day before uh and it's highlighted on their maps and it's savan kersberg he's the driver of the van and now we have photographs of him sitting on the roof of the van yada yada multiple witnesses put him there but let's say they just hear something and they go why the hell would you celebrate a horrible plane crash like what is funny about that and why would you wait for a second one like mm. and it, this is this is one of the most damning lines in there is by the time you've got four events you got the two planes hitting and then you have the two buildings falling down before the second building fell down they were on or back at urban moving systems on the roof and they're celebrating there too <clears throat> and somebody, I believe it was Dominic Souter, the freaking owner, tells Mamari, who's one of the five, to get his camera and come up to the roof. We're about to take down the second building. Wow. And he thought we or they meant like the authorities are going to take it down so it doesn't like fall down like timber. Yeah. And he, in his interrogation in jail, he breaks down and spills a bean on all this. This guy wasn't part of it like the rest of them. The only reason he was there is Sivan Kersberg and Amari had known each other from the army. And so when he was in New York, they're like, oh, yeah, come. And they put him in some secondary business of putting boxes together for the stuff they were moving. And so that's what he was doing on that day. I know where he went to lunch too, and I know what he he ate a ham sandwich, so he wasn't kosher. You went to Dirk. You went there, didn't you? You went to Dirk Towers in that. I route. did. I You've went been and there find it because I'm like, well, I want to know how fast you could get to Dirk from urban moving systems. And I think if you were speeding, which everyone does down in Jersey, you could do it in five or six minutes. So it is possible that something went kaboom and they just hauled ass over there and got it but we know that like from all the cigarette butts and stuff on the ground and how they're parked sideways and all the witnesses of that they that's not what happened that they had been sitting there but whatever it's it's like you don't have to hinge everything on that because there's so much other damning evidence that it's not going to matter <clears throat> so what happened was, uh, for those, anyone that doesn't know, I hope people already know this story, but what happened was three guys were witnessed flicking lighters and high-fiving and hugging each other and celebrating September 11th. And um, two women had seen them. One saw them and called the other, and then she looked out her window and saw them. This is right after the kaboom. And they're all out there. They're on the roof of their van. They're jumping up and down. They're celebrating. There were also two guys who were making a billboard who witnessed it. There's a bunch of witnesses. Uh, well, they had seen the truck earlier, but they didn't see the men. It's because they weren't on the roof yet. They were in the truck waiting or whatever. Who cares? These three leave. 
but the woman didn't call the cops. She wrote down a license plate and everything, but she waited till her husband got home for some reason. Her name is Maria Septembrelli. So I think her last name means September in Italian. Are the, this is how you know we're in assimilation. <laughs> and uh, they put out a bolo, you know, be on the lookout. And these guys uh, end up getting pulled over. But there were five people in the van instead of three. Uh, one of the ex there, so the two that got added were the driver's brother, Paul. So there was Sivan Kersberg. He's the driver. The first words out of his mouth are, we're not your problem. Your problem or our problem. The Palestinians are the problem. Then his brother, Paul Kersberg, Joran Schmel, uh, Oded Elmer, and uh, Omer Mamari. And he's sort of the odd one out. And there's skis in there, and they looked like they were ready to go. And apparently they had uh, tickets for immediate destinations out of the country. Because, you know, that's what happens when you're Israeli tourists that just get a minimum wage job, uh, you know, moving furniture, that on a random Tuesday in September, you're going to fly to Germany and Australia and India and like all, all over the world on your yeah. meager salary. Because you know that you're suddenly you're, uh, the, the place you work for is about to close. And you <laughs> and got four, you got four They left furniture stranded too. in the middle of wherever the hell it was being moved. Wow. And the owner of Urban Moving System fled the country. Yeah, Dominic Suter. Dominic Suter. And he's on the FBI suspect list along with Osama bin Laden. And, you know, like, the, <laughs> God. Isn't he living in California now, Ryan? <clears throat> No, that's a different Dominic Suter. They, these people, so like some people that kind of plagiarized my work um, couldn't even spell the guy's name right. And they, they put it, they, there's no C in Dominic. It's just spelled with a K. Okay. And they, you know, I don't know if I should name these people or not. There's some weirdos. They were so loud about it. And it really pisses me off because they get it half right talking about the Israelis and then they add all this nonsense. And when you add nonsense, what they're going to do is they're going to do debunk that and then throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. That's the, that's the play. <clears throat> and I could not get these people to shut up, but you know, they get invited to Jonestown and everywhere else. And I don't. So all the disinfo went out and around everywhere. It's important to know that, Cops and firemen on the day of 9-11 had reported truck bombs in the towers. Police found in, I think Pat Dawson and Rick Sanchez both talked about this, a suspicious device, an explosive device in a van. And they'd taken the van up near the Church of Dades or whatever. But, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to call the bomb squads and stuff, you're going to tow it away from the other cars and things. But whatever. And this story is never really followed up on. There's another one, a van pulled over near the George Washington Bridge and it was reportedly packed with explosives. CBS reports on that. Dan Rathers reported on that. Enough explosives to do great damage to George Washington Bridge. Now, it's interesting because in the 1993 plot, uh, they were supposed to hit the uh, tower with a rider truck to topple one tower into the other, and they were going to blow up the Holland Tunnel. That was the point. The, there's the Holland Tunnel, the Lincoln, and the 
George Washington Bridge. And so that, and the, and the backup was to go around Williamsburg just machine gunning people. They didn't do any of that except for the rider truck part. So it, it, they did do it. They had stolen anthrax too, as we mentioned in the last thing. So some people confuse that van with the van with the dancing Israelis, but the van with the dancing Israelis had been pulled over in the afternoon. And the reports on the truck bomb on the George Washington Bridge were like 1045 at night. And you can see that time stamped, Dana somebody, oh, I forget the woman doing the report, but then Dan Rather says, you know, it's a quarter to 11, da, 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 da. So it all matches up with that. So those are two different vans. There's another van in Liberty State Park, Glen Ford saw, where, you know, everybody's left and it's still parked looking right across the river, waiting for something to happen. He's speaking in Hebrew. I mean... They were everywhere. They knew what was going down. And some of them just couldn't help themselves. Mm-hmm. They wanted little, little trophy videos. Yeah. Um, so you start seeing these vans pop up everywhere, and the FBI starts tracing them and finds quite a bit out. And all this, all the stuff of the vans and the timestamps of the people that are in my movie, The Empire and Mass, which you can get on ANCReport.com. <laughs> But it's very damning evidence. And then you got the police commissioner involved. He's getting flies to a trip to Israel, gets a massive loan from the wealthiest person in Israel. The bribe. Who's, yeah, he's on the board of governors of the JA, who's the ones who sent the people there who were celebrating the attack. Yeah, it's a bribe. Uh, he took a lot of bribes from a lot of people, is what you could say, which is not really good because that's bad anyway. Yeah. But why not just give them the loan directly? Why go through Steve Whitkoff, a Marvel dealer? Like, what's the point? And why? And then he gives it to the wife and the wife. Listen to me, I sound like a Italian. You know, the wife. It's just the for the wife. Yeah, get that over to Lorraine, right? Get it to Lorraine. And there's some dresses. There's some nice dresses I want you to look at. All right, they're gonna de-age me. We're gonna have some dresses. <laughs> and then you got Giuliani there, man, at the center of all of it too. You know, Giuliani was sly though because he would never answer the questions about any of the vans. Well, wasn't he Omer, would always who, defer to Carrick. Carrick like, and then, then Omer you know, wasn't Omer his his handler Ehud Olmert was up in New York too. You know that's interesting because when you just said that, now I'm thinking he's in Epstein's black book. Oh yeah, yeah, Barack, Barack and Olmert. Yeah, Barack, well, Barack especially. Like, that guy's such a weasel. Yeah, well, you got and him on BBC he went there World. In person. He went there in person with his stupid fur hat oh, you know, to New York. And he had also stayed at Mark Epstein's apartments, which were full of girls. With the models, um, yeah. John Luke Burnell's models, yeah. Model yeah, that, that's, that's something I think. I know this is a whole other thing. We could do another episode about this, Ryan. But yeah, Epstein's brother, well, Mark this, Epstein. They co- <laughs> well, they connect because Mark Epstein and the Kushners were real estate rivals. Yeah. And then you, you've got uh, Rupert Murdoch and Maxwell's father, Robert Maxwell, were media rivals in the UK, right? Uh, and then you got Ahud Barak and Netanyahu were political rivals in Israel, Likud versus Labour. So these are like two drug cartels fighting with each other. Exactly. They all sell drugs. They're all bad. They all Netanyahu people. sucks. Barak sucks. Kushner sucks. The yeah. Maxwells suck. Netanyahu Maxwell sucks. sucks. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. It's not like I can root for one side, but any time the roaches turn on each other, I'm, I'll take it as a win. I don't think they've ever been more vulnerable 
Well, they're, they're warring right, right now. now. Their war is kind of spilled out into the streets, man. And your average Joe can kind of see it if you want to pay attention. Netanyahu was well, that's even why Maxwell wants that... to know who these three accusers are so she can have them killed. Yeah. You know, she doesn't know who it is yet, so she can't go and intimidate them. Yeah. But that's the plan. Figure out who they are, bribe them or scare them away. Just the fact, too, that Maria Farmer had to live on the run for 20 years. It's so fucking sad and disgusting, man. And now she's battling Her and cancer. her sisters were all abused, and now she's got cancer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really sad. So, Urban Moving Guys... At least guys, she's we're... not in jail like Maxwell. Yeah, exactly. Boo-hoo. I mean, she I said, stuff, but still. She said the hospital food's, I think, a little bit better than Ghislaine's uh, prison food. Yeah. That was a good burn. That was a oh, good yeah. burn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he... Uh, <laughs> you, um, you know what else Farmer can do? Walk outside. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, the urban moving guys were detained... Wear clothing that's not made of paper. God, paper mache. The urban moving uh, ghouls were detained, uh, and then... Oh, these guys, sorry, so here's, this, here's where it really falls apart. They get detained, and all five of them have different stories. Yeah. They all fail their polygraph tests, which I know you can't use in court, but they're pretty damn accurate when you're talking about just figuring out a lie, but not what the lie is. But they're like, oh, we didn't get there till 10 in the morning. I'm like, you're an idiot. They have your camera showing you there with photographs of yourself. Now, the camera had been uh, rewound some 14 hours and 45 minutes or something. So it looked like September 10th, even though it was the 11th. Uh, some other copycats who plagiarized my work couldn't figure that out because I didn't have it in my film. Because the uh, pictures that came out in May of 2019 that had a timestamp of September 10th didn't exist. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't public yet. So I didn't need to explain that. But it's in the documents that they had filled with the time on the camera. Mm. Um, now, they had been there on the 10th, but that photograph is from the 11th from a camera that was more than 14 hours off. Plagiarists didn't read the documents. They just watched the movies and reiterated what I said. So they didn't catch that. Right. Sloppy. So they're detained for, what, about 70 days, and then Chertoff helps them get quietly shipped back to Israel? Pretty much, well, Suter fled to Israel. And, like, he answered questions over the phone and then just Immediately stabbed. bailed. Just immediately bailed. And I would like to know what's on all those hard drives. They had 16 mm. hard drives. Yeah. Um, Justin Romando, who worked for antiwar.com, I believe he said a dozen. He was pretty close. He passed away since. But he was on this. And often he would be on something and then just move on to the next subject right because his job was well got to do the news but i think a lot of things years later he'd be proven right about like the assassination of rafi kariri or the office of special plans or many things that he called it litvininko he called it and he's going to be proven right again you know at, even though he's gone that guy i just want to give him props um i did get to meet him I think he was our best man. Yeah. And we lost him. He was but solid. He would get into it and, you know, all the 9-11 kooks would hound, you know, Tida just steered off a cliff. And he just, nah, and he, it sucks, man, because, like, he was so close. And then it sort of got pushed off the trail 
because he didn't want to deal with, and I understand this because I deal with it, just the inertia of, of stupidity from these people talking about missiles and pods and whatever. It's become a tar baby. You don't want to talk about 9-11 because you sound like a crazy person because the loudest, most vocal people in the 9-11 kook movement are all weirdos. And that's yeah. who the media is always going to focus on, and that's who the debunkers are always going to focus on. That's been their tactic. There's like a bomb in every window. Yeah, they're going to put Morgan Reynolds on TV to talk about cartoon planes. and then like there, Okay, there was brush. a cell busted who had done illegal work on the fire prevention systems. That, that, was, my, that was our next one. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to see on it. Tennessee cell right. and Ka Catherine Smith with the fake license. Catherine Smith was murdered. They burned her alive the day before the trial. Uh, and, the, and these guys are in custody, except for Adele. And you, that part of the story, I swear, like, I've rattled that off the whole shebang about it. And people are just sitting there waiting their turn to yell about thermite. Yeah. And so I'm like, did you not hear what I said? So let's set, like, this, let's set this uh, up, Ryan, for people so who have happened. no idea about this. There was a sting outside the DMV in Tennessee, which is an important place to get a driver's license because you don't need a social security number. Tennessee is also where a lot of our mailing operations, FedEx and all these things are headquartered, trucking, etc. There was an outfit there called Aero Trucks, which is kind of a generic thing you can rent. So if you want to make a rider or a moving van, put your logo on it, whatever, you usually get Aero. Uh, an individual had actually driven one of these aero trucks from New York City to Tennessee on 9-11, nonstop, all the way down. Kalido Dollar. trucks that Urban Moving Systems and Classic International stuff are using are all outfitted from this. The guys at the DMV is sort of a serendipitous sting. They were getting some IDs for some low-ranking schmoes, right? But... Uh, Khalido Dalla and Zakir Hamad, and there was another Hamad. They were cousins. I forget Ab his Abdel, first name. Abdel Mushin Mahad. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Glad you got notes. I was just like, wake up and do this. They. It really doesn't matter. I mean, it's just like okay, some guys get busted in this sting for getting these fake or trying to acquire more fake license, and on the person, on their person was. So they had some cards and things, and one of them was a pass dated September 5th to do work in the World Trade Center. Now, the Port Authority is the only one that can authorize such work to be done on, unless you're doing work for a specific tenant, that would only be on their floor and their property. But they were working on the fire suppression systems which they're not supposed to be doing. And the, the front company they worked for was called Denko Mechanical, uh, run by uh, Sergey Denko and uh, Connell, something Connell, David Connell. But it turned out to just be some guy's residential address in New York. There was no real business or anything. But what they had done is they had faked a business and they actually got subpoenaed and in trouble for um, 
faking letters of recommendation for fire suppression credentials and you know just lied they had no business uh, authorizing any kind of work on fire suppression systems they didn't have a like brick and mortar address and their employees weren't really fixing fire suppression systems <laughs> they were sabotaging fire suppression systems obviously and if they're in one tower they're probably in the other uh, or there's a cell there's not like they're going to do one tower not the other right we do know that those systems didn't work though and so if you have a fire and the sprinkler systems don't come on and you don't have to go break it every floor. I have to do this three relay pumps in the tower. You break two, then it's not going to get up to the upper floors. Mm -hmm. It's all you really have to do. Fire will bring down, can bring down a building. Can, right? Oil melt steel doesn't have to. It weakens uh, it. This, this is the point where people lose their shit. But mm -hmm. if you... At, at, what long before you reach the melting point, steel will lose 90% of its tensile strength. So even at 50%, it's going to fall. And that can, you can get that from a fire with no jet fuel at all. A regular office fire indoors reaches those temperatures. So what we have here, Ryan, is a cell of five or six guys, one of which left New York City on 9-11 to drive down to Tennessee, who were down there to get fake license, who had on them visitor passes from the World Trade Center dated September 5th. Yes. And so, and the ringleaders from Jerusalem, and he had bought an employee of the D DMV a car, which she died in, by the way. Catherine Smith. Catherine Smith was in this, and there's mug shots of all these guys. There were six guys, actually, but one of them was a minor. So the five, we don't know the name of the sixth, the boy or whatever, the 17 or something. But the, there were six of them. Probably he's the one they were getting the IDs from. Yeah. And so they weren't looking in 9-11. They are just looking at the fraud. A lot of this they'd done in Florida uh, because most of the, the concentration in Florida are looking at Hispanics faking IDs and and social security fraud and uh, welfare fraud and things like that, shared addresses and stuff. They weren't really focused on Israelis, uh, but they copied the methods of the South Americans and stuff of like, oh, I lost my ID, please mail me another one, and then change addresses and give the old one to someone else, and you can drive around with that, da 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 So we would have figured out what they were doing, what, how were who the PA said that uh, the Port Authority said that they hadn't hired you to do this job. So what were you doing? And how did you get this? And who gave it to you? We never got answers because they never made it to court. Well, not with the star witness, Catherine Smith, who was murdered, set on fire so badly her arms had fallen off. Jeez. And Susan Nash from the FBI found traces of gasoline in her clothing. All the forensic evidence shows that they, either she dumped gas on herself and then in the middle of driving set herself on fire, you know, or she was murdered so horrifically as a way of telling everyone else, you better shut the fuck up. We'll burn you alive. Yeah, absolutely. 
So these guys, uh, are these guys all still in prison here in America? What happened to these guys? No, they were in jail for 10 years and they got out. And did they leave America? No, or? One, no one questioned them? Yeah, they, they guess where they are. Take a guess. Uh, hmm, Israel? <laughs> mm-hmm. And wow. no one asked them. I'm like, man, go there. I was in Japan. I'm like, someone go over there and talk to these people. Yeah. I always think about crazy things like that, Ryan, like going to Israel and tracking down the Kersberg brothers and the urban movers and getting a camera in their face or trying to talk to them. How do you think that would go? I talked to Yarn Schmel's wife incognito on linkedin oh my god and because he he became an explosive expert and this guy like i can't tell if he i don't know what he's thinking he's thinking like i'll pretend that i'm pretending to be an explosive expert massage guy because the story's cool and i want to act like i did it but i didn't really do it but he did it well what he's He's kind of like rubbing people's noses in it. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't really do it. I'm just trying to act like I did it because it's such a cool mm. thing. And, of course, if I really do it, I wouldn't do that. Right? right. But he's the kind of guy that can't, you know, he, so, he wants people to know. These are people he's, with no remorse. They sleep just fine knowing what happened. He posted his vacation pictures right afterward. Like, they were held for 71 days. Because Paul Kersberg refused to take a lie detector test, and when he finally did, he failed it. And then finally, Chertoff like gets them all out of there. And people will lie and say, "Oh no, they were just visa violations," and they'll try and compare to the other two hundred Israelis that got nabbed. Uh, but that's not true. I mean, there were they did do big swath raids where a lot of Middle Eastern people were detained just in case, right? Because there was another attack on September 13th. You guys know about that? They, somebody tried to hide They wanted to do plane. More, more planes, right? Yeah, 10 people got arrested. Nine That's of right. them were released. All the handlers, because they went back in the wrong place. And what was weird in that scenario is the pilot, who really was a pilot, had the ID of another pilot. So he had a fake ID of some other pilot to like put the paper trail that direction. And yet he was a, he did know how to fly and he was a real pilot himself, but they never Um, pulled it off. There was another guy too, who ended up walking away from the plot. This is detailed in the nine 11 film in their own words. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Um, I forget his name and, and the specific details, but supposedly he ended up taking the money and gambling it and then walking away from that kind of ideology and, and, and the plot. There was, another, there was a uh, fifth hijacker for flight 77 that never made it as well or, yeah. or did, uh, or six hijacker, excuse me. You detail that in six on 77, right? That's yeah. The- Nelson Martin did that more than I did, but there was, uh, another man. And we do have one name from a CNN report. And that's all we got to go on. And we have a, a video of the guy. That doesn't really help you. He's just some Middle Eastern dude. But uh, he's there with the other hijackers and everything. So that he may have been the actual pilot, if not Hanjur. Yeah, because Hanjur's skills were questionable, weren't they? Not really. Like, that's something that um, the kooks would say. is like, well, this one guy at a flight school said he sucked at flying. Well, yeah, the same flight schools running drugs with Jeb Bush and involving Iran Contra and all. You're going to believe that? Oh yeah, 
Like well, the we're guy gonna... had been a licensed pilot since the 90s, right? He, Hanji Hanjir could absolutely land a plane on a runway, which is all you need to do to crash into a building. Um, they weren't real interested in any of the rest of it. In landing, yeah. But it could have been another, it could have been someone else who was actually behind the... It could have been. They, they had redundancy in case someone <clears throat> bailed, right? So all of them went to flight schools. So all, all of them were supposed right. to get the minimal, right? This thing is... And then the best of them actually did the flying. And what's right, weird is right. in, on flight 93, Al Jara might not have ever even been on the plane. He might have bailed at the last second with the ramp crew because we do have the black box from that plane. The one they say shot down and has no debris is just a hole. That means the opposite. We have 95% of that debris of that plane. We have the black box. It was played during the Masari Tower. So people heard this and we have the transcripts of it too. When they are crashing the plane, because they're flying it upside down, and then they're flying it straight toward the ground. They're not trying to land it. They didn't put down the landing gear, and they, they landed at an angle. They spiked it in the ground on purpose. So it's not going to look like other plane crashes where they at least try to land the plane. But the other hijackers themselves refer to the pilot because they're telling them up, up, down, like shake the plane, get these people off us. Um, they don't call him Aljara. At all. They talk about uh, Ziad Gamar or whatever. Not Ziad. Uh, this, this, this Zoom chat's going to expire again. Have you seen that on your end? Uh, yeah, one minute. So, all the witnesses and air phone calls talk about three guys instead of four. And then even the other hijackers refer to a different person's name piloting the plane. No one says Ziad al-Jara, al-Jara, or Ziad, not once. Um, but they do refer to another name. So the guy with these Israeli cousins may not have even been on the plane. He bailed at the last second. I'm going to uh, wow. save this on my end, and, and I can send one more. Are you cool with that, or do you want to wrap here? We'll just leave him hanging, man, because i got another <laughs> interview to do. And we'd like to thank Ryan Dawson for joining us on Jackman Radio to talk about 9-11 and more of the interesting and unknown facts that a lot of people aren't aware of. And if you want to check out Ryan's work, he's done incredible stuff, go to his website, ancreport.com, where you can find his books, films, videos, forum, news, and anything that he's working on. And also, please subscribe to Jackman Radio. And check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash jackmanradio. And you can find us on all social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all at Jackman Radio. Instagram, say hi to me. My link is Senator Jackman. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time.